This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Just uh, several days removed from Hurricane Maria, the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico is still trying to start the recovery process. Portions of the island are still underwater, but of greater concern is a dam that could soon fully give way and cause even more damage. And remember that Puerto Rico is still in a significant economic crisis even before this storm. To take a look at the recovery part of the story around Puerto Rico, we are joined here in studio by Carolyn Kuski, who is Director of Policy Research and Engagement with the Wharton Risk Management and Decisions Processes Center. Also in studio with us is Billy Fleming, Research Coordinator at the McCarg Center at the uh, University of Pennsylvania School of Design. And also joining us on the phone right now is uh, Hector Cordero Guzman, who's a professor at Baruch College, uh, joining us as well. Carolyn, Billy, great to have you here. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks you for, for coming. Us. Great to have you with us. Hector, great to have you on the phone with us today. Terrific. Good to be here. Thank you, sir. Great to have you with us. Uh, for Hector, from what are you, you are hearing right now, uh, what is the status of, of everything going on in Puerto Rico? I mean, we're still hearing reports of standing water in, in some towns. I mentioned the dam as well. Yeah, uh, Dan, I mean, I think Puerto Rico's uh, going down in a downward spiral. Uh, first, there was the physical damage caused by the hurricane, and now it's going through all the ripple effects and the impacts on infrastructure. The communication structure's down, so people can't talk to each other, can't yeah. contact relatives, both inside the island and outside the island. If something happens to you, you can't call the cops. <laughs> To come and 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 and, and rescue you or, or, or save you, uh, the water infrastructure is run with electricity, so there's no electricity and no running water. So, a week after the storm, now dirty waters are starting to accumulate. Yeah. There's enough fuel and food, but the distribution systems have shut down. Employees can't get um, to work. I imagine in terms of gasoline, stopping the cycle of the gasoline uh, 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 inflow, and now everyone's trying to fill up their tank, their long lines at the station. There's enough fuel, but it's a distribution problem. And lastly, many of the hospitals are running on diesel uh, 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 and, 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 and plants that are, that are, that are powered by, by diesel, and now there's a problem with the distribution. Of diesel, so there's a whole lot of chain reactions after a storm. Uh, a hurricane, when it hits, it doesn't only hit when it hits. Uh, some of the biggest effects are the after effects, and lastly, uh, there may be a public health crisis in the making with all of that accumulated water in a tropical land where it starts getting really hot, and and you may start seeing and homes whose walls have been torn down, roofs have been gone. You may start seeing the, the propagation of some potential public health uh, challenges, garbage pickup, as you can imagine, is is slow to a, to a halt because people have to remove all the debris. Uh, uh, so Puerto Rico needs a lot of help right now, and yeah. I'm afraid that there's not enough information out on the mainland uh, beyond the Puerto Rican community about the nature and extent of the crisis. Carolyn, I, I mean, where do you start with all of this? I mean, this is this is this is an amazing amount of, of of repair that needs to be made on this island. Yeah, and while the immediate needs of life, safety, health, restoring critical services are going to be paramount in the next few days. We're then going to turn to issues of how you finance the recovery, and that's going to become really critical. And 
concerningly, very few people on the island have insurance. So less than 1% of households have flood insurance. And of course, there's been enormous flood devastation. And only about half of the households have coverage against wind damage. So where yeah. those funds are going to come from is going to be important. How much about is this going to be about the response of the United States, the government, to be able to help out these people here and, and be able to kind of eliminate some of these issues where insurance is concerned? Yeah, one of the concerning things about the low penetration of insurance on the island is that the funds available from the federal government are often quite limited. So the president has issued a disaster declaration that allows funds from FEMA to go towards local governments to help rebuilding public buildings, infrastructure. And for about half the island, he's issued a declaration that covers grants to households. So some people will become eligible for these grants, although they're capped at about $30,000. And the average is usually only around $5,000. So it's not a lot of money if you've been completely wiped out. So then people are going to turn primarily to the Small Business Administration, which even though it says business, offers loans to households. And so you can take out a loan at a very favorable rate, um, a 30-year loan to finance your recovery. We talked, Billy, when you were here the last time about some of the changes that have occurred in places like Houston and Florida over the years in terms of, you know, thought processes of how you build. This is something that is, I would think, going to change the thought process of how people build when they're when they're thinking about putting up buildings or putting up homes in Puerto Rico. You would hope so. But if you look at what some of the statements that have come out of the Florida delegation already, uh, they've been pretty clear that they don't see uh, investments in infrastructure as a part of the disaster relief effort in Puerto Rico. They see it as a humanitarian crisis, and it is that. But it's also a crisis of infrastructure. Uh, this is not a this is not a new problem created by Maria or Irma. There, this is a generational problem yeah. for an island seventy three billion dollars in debt uh, and trying to figure out how to to restructure that. Um, to have a storm like this come through in the middle of that financial crisis, uh, we've never had anything like it in this country. Yeah, which is interesting because I mean, again, you, for for this storm, this is something that hasn't been seen in Puerto Rico for well, I guess eighty five years or so. Something yeah, this significant. So, uh, 1928, I think, is the, uh, the previous storm that was of this category. Yeah, Hector. So, I mean, it, it makes me wonder. I mean, even with the location of Puerto Rico, you would think that the mindset is there to be prepared for these types of storms because they could pretend. I mean, whether it's a, a Category 5 storm or a Category 1, 2, whatever, they have to be ready because they are kind of in that line of fire uh, being where they're located. There are various uh, levels of, of preparation. I think more and more over time you see more cement uh, homes and more cement structure. There's still a lot of uh, remaining wood and, and, and uh, homes, and, and, and many of those have suffered incredible damage. So we need to be vigilant uh, about standards moving forward, but that's also a matter of resources. If you have very mm-hmm. humble people uh, that don't have the resources to be able to build cement homes, uh, they're... they're, they're, they're that's going to be a challenge. I completely agree with 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 uh, what Carly and then Billy have said in terms of uh, FEMA now going down. Imagine people can't even communicate, so there's not even a process where they can uh, begin to apply. And now uh, a lot of the ATMs are down because there's no electricity, so people are running out of the cash that they had. Yeah, they can't go to the supermarket on the stores and use the cards because they don't have uh, electricity. So. Uh, everything kind of grinds to a, to a halt, and it, uh, it's going to take a lot to restart it. And, and and I think infrastructure and how you rebuild the infrastructure of Puerto Rico to sustain this kind of 
uh, increasing threat is, is, a, is an issue. The electric company is a separate matter uh, in the sense that uh, the problems with that infrastructure have been known for a longer time, and it's been really a matter of combination of mismanagement and, and, and lack of resources that have crippled uh, the, the electric company and have not allowed it to really build the kind of infrastructure that will withstand uh, this kind of a storm. Of course, now it's going to have to. And now we also have to deal with the, the potential of this dam totally breaking. I mean, it's, it is, you know, there's water running out of it already, but the concern is that this, this dam is going to break, and that's going to mean another 70,000 people are evacuated. That's the, the last thing, Carla, that they, that they want to see happen at this time. Obviously, when you build something like this, they probably were not ex- – they expect it to meet certain levels, certain codes to be able to survive, but maybe this was not even the expectation, you know, when they built this. Yeah, I don't know what the design level was of it, but certainly the string of hurricanes we've seen in the last month are really stressing those systems, you know, substantially. And we're going to need funding in order to upgrade the infrastructure in order to repair what's been damaged. And Congress has provided about seven and a half billion dollars through the Community Development Block Grant Disaster Relief Program to Texas and Florida. So I think Puerto Rico is going to be waiting to see if such funds will be coming to them to aid in their recovery as well. Billy? Well, the biggest problem for infrastructure like this that's related to flood control, whether it's a dam or a seawall or a levee, is that the capital costs are mostly borne by the feds, right? So they cover whether it's 70 or 90, depending on the grant program, and the locality matches, you know, 10 or 25 percent. The operations and management are almost completely borne by the local government, and almost no city or no county and no island can cover the cost of all of that by themselves. And what happens to, you know, a system like a dam or a flood wall or, you know, a levee over time is that it, you know, deteriorates below its design level. So even if it were designed for an event like Irma or Maria, it's, if it was built more than 10 years ago, it's very unlikely it would have been to that same standard today. Bill is describing exactly what happened with Wattac. I think partly it's been a challenge with uh, a maintenance and uh, with, the, with the water level, there's a crack on it that's spewing uh, uh, some water. Uh, there's some helicopter shots of it. It's contained yeah. to the side, but uh, 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 it's unknown whether it can cause you know longer kind of structural damage that can bring the entire wall down. I think it's 11 billion gallons of water. What could be done in the interim to try and and fix that? I mean, we saw what happened at the dam out in California when that uh, when the uh, the runoff wall broke, and and that obviously had to be a temporary repair. But you had you know hundreds of millions of gallons of water rushing down there every day. So what can you do in the short term for that? I mean, in the immediate term, I don't know that there are any good options. I think one is to build a you know a temporary emergency spillway and try and divert some of that flood water into places where there are either no or fewer people. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be it's going to be a huge challenge for an island that you know is in the financial position that Puerto Rico is in. Eight four four may know more, but I think there's a crew from Florida that's going down with some engineers to do an assessment and uh, try to come up with some kind of uh, mitigation plan. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call with your comments or your questions. We're talking about the recovery in Puerto Rico. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you'd like to join in, we're talking with uh, Carolyn Kuski from uh, the uh, Wharton School, also Billy Fleming from the University of Pennsylvania School of Design, and Hector Cordero Guzman from Baruch College at uh, the City University of New York. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. Some of the pictures are, are incredible. In terms of the fact that you know we're several days out, and I, when you go back to what we saw with uh, with Harvey coming in and Irma as well, 
we have this expectation that okay, you have to deal with the 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 higher rising water for several days to deal with. It, it feels like though the 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 problems in Puerto Rico are almost tenfold in terms of seeing a lot of that water removed from city streets and 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 through sewer systems you know in puerto rico yeah i mean one of the biggest challenges there right is that this was an island-wide you know event it wasn't part of the city as it was in houston it wasn't part of the coast as it was in florida um and also the poverty rate on puerto rico is so much higher there's very little capacity there for most households to mitigate their own risk the way that people in houston or other parts of the country might have been able to do um and when your infrastructure is in the condition that puerto rico's is in it's very hard to think about you know installing and managing the kind yeah. of pump system you need to get that water out of there. In parts of Puerto Rico, there's still today five and six foot of standing water. The yeah. economic condition has really exacerbated the problems of recovery there, and that's true at a household level too. So we see that just in the last couple of years, the number of people with flood insurance has fallen by half. And so hmm. it's dropped substantially, and it's unclear what all the drivers are, but the economy is certainly a big one. Hector? Yeah, that's a shocking uh, statistic that Carolyn's just uh, 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 alerted me to. Um, yeah, there's certainly a, a huge vulnerability. And, and the biggest question right now um, is twofold. First, on the short term, uh, where are the resources going to come from to first rebuild the communications infrastructure so that people can start contacting each other to build work with the electricity? And I understand there's a plan to go from big critical uh, areas down then to the household level. And that estimate, say, could take up to six months. That's unbelievable when you yeah. think of it. Um, think about then the flow of water, uh, the distribution of food and fuel. Uh, uh, they may have to start some kind of a system where they, where they literally just ration and certain people can get fuel on certain days of the week so that they don't have this three, four, five-hour line. So people just standing, waiting. Uh, um, to get their 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 cars filled up, uh, and then there's going to be the the medium term uh, uh, aid package uh, that one would hope the federal government is wise enough to put in place so that the society, the economy, and the infrastructure can be rebuilt and Puerto Rico can go back to some 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 level of normalcy. I, I don't see that happening uh, quickly, and I think there's going to be a lot of pain. Uh, 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 before before we get to a place uh, anywhere close to what we were before the storm hit. And Puerto Rico wasn't in a good place, as, as Carolyn and, and, and Billy have stressed, even before yeah. uh, uh, Maria uh, 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 ravaged it. Well, and, and let alone, I mean, you've both uh, all have mentioned about the power grid down there and the fact that the power is down and just some of the essential services, like Hector was mentioning, when you think about no police really at this point, Hospitals are probably, you know, very little ability at this point. Uh, this is this is truly a, a, a need to rebuild uh, almost an entire country at this point when we're talking about this. Carol? Yeah. And often the indirect costs of disaster. So not just the immediate property damage, but all those spillover costs that you get, for example, when the power is down. So businesses can't operate and yeah. you can't work. Those are always really high. And here we're talking about not having power out for a matter of days, but months, and it's just going to be devastating. Yeah, I mean, in a place like that, it's hard to imagine uh, anything more important after a disaster like this than the communication network. And to not have that available to everyone on the island for six months, which you know is used to, to sort of marshal police resources and yeah. other things that are EMS related. But 
It's also how you decide where to send search and rescue teams. It's how you decide, you know, where to, where to coordinate your disaster relief efforts and where materials get sent. The longer term stuff is really important and we have to start to think about that now. But those next six months are going to be, I think the word I've heard tossed around the most is apocalyptic. And I think that's probably right for what it's going to be like there. It, it, it almost makes it, you know, a hundred times worse, Hector, in the fact of obviously the location of Puerto Rico being an island. I mean, obviously in the wake of, of Harvey and Irma, resources could get to those areas, you know, within a relative expectation of time, whether it be 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it might be, it's that much harder when you're talking about trying to get to an island. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is time for for FEMA and and, and the federal government to really take a close look at, at how these efforts are being managed and to deploy the kinds of resources that are necessary. I mean, we, we have the capability to Wi-Fi the entire island in a day if, 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 if we decided that's what we needed to do. Uh, uh, but, but that requires some leadership, and it requires uh, 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 people clamoring for it, I suppose. I mean, I'm dumbfounded why this wasn't anticipated. If there's, there's one thing about a hurricane is that you know it's coming. And, and, and you know it's, it's intensity, and, and you ought to be able to plan uh, and have some resources in, in, in Guantanamo, have some resources in, in the southern part, uh, in Santo Domingo, where I understand there was already a Navy ship with some resources stationed waiting for the storms to go through. But, but I, I am dumbfounded as to why there wasn't broader thinking about the kinds of supply chains of resources and generators and satellite phones it's unbelievable that for five days the central government reported that they didn't have contact with 20 town mayors out of the 78 in Puerto Rico, 20. And now they're shipping some satellite telephones uh, so that these uh, mayors can communicate. These are towns of 20, 30,000 people in places where the roads are now uh, unpassable. Some of the bridges may have fallen off. Uh, so I, I, from a disaster planning perspective, I think there's a huge lesson to learn here about uh, what kinds of resources we need to put in place before something happens and how they need to be deployed once something occurs. Really? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a pretty standard problem in most American cities, right? I don't think Puerto Rico is unique in that regard and not investing in what are, what's often called pre-covery, right? Which is which all the you know physical and social infrastructures that go into helping you you know respond to and recover from a disaster. Um, the bigger challenge in Puerto Rico, I think, and why this is worse, this situation has been worse there than in other places, uh, is that the island gets treated like, you know, it's a second class group of citizens, right? Puerto right. Rico is three and a half million people. They're all Americans. Um, and the fact that we've we've let the island's infrastructure deteriorate to this point is appalling. Carol? Yeah, I think what we can do now is hope that we can do better as we're building back. And we've looked historically at federal government spending on flood risk reduction, and 90% of all those dollars come after a big event. And in some, you know, for a little bit, that's kind of problematic. We're not doing the necessary work ahead of time in order to prevent damage, but it does give us a little bit of a window of opportunity. And so if Congress can mobilize to provide some funding for rebuilding that incorporates risk reduction, hopefully there could be some building back stronger. Do do you need to start to look at, at, as you mentioned, with the loss of of people having flood insurance, do you need to look at that as if you can, more of a, one being more affordable, but two being almost a mandatory piece to, to living there because of the fact that it's it's literally in the path potentially of storms each and every year. Yeah, you've raised really important points <laughs> and they 
they apply beyond Puerto Rico to the country as a whole in areas at risk of flooding. And affordability is certainly a problem and one that's been on the policy radar, and yet not much has been done about it. And so there's proposals actually right now in Congress to put in place an assistance program, a means-tested assistance program, so that families who can't afford flood insurance can get some help with those payments so that they have the financial resources they need for recovery. And that would be, you know, an important step towards helping people have what they need. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And some of the other things that have been tossed around and not really moved uh, much in Congress have been things like uh, recurrent loss, uh, dealing with recurrent loss problems, right? So the problem with flood insurance is usually that it's a handful of properties that get knocked out, you know, yeah. every single time there's a disaster. Uh, I think one of the stats in Irma was that there was a property in Florida that's been it's had a, a FEMA claim twenty two times yeah. or something was, like that. Yep, yep. Uh, over the life of that property, and um, I think finding ways to you know to build in um, you know a buyout program that takes that kind of repetitive loss uh, into account is is one of the only ways we're going to be able to solve this. In Puerto Rico, it's a little different, right? Because it's an island, and it's not Houston, it's not Miami. You can't move to you know an upstate part of the island, right? Um, but I think ha- finding a way to either incorporate what are called rolling setbacks. Uh, or some other sort of some other form of moving people around after an event like this uh, is the only way we're going to deal with that risk. But that forward. would be that would be part of that pre-covery type of mindset that you talked about a moment ago. That if you if you had the forethought and you were thinking about these things in advance, you wouldn't have the concern of building in certain locations here in the U.S. or potentially on the island of Puerto Rico. Yeah, I mean exposure and risk aren't particularly hard to map or understand in a, in a flood context, right? We know where these places are that are vulnerable to storms like you know Maria and Irma. Uh, we know places that are you know vulnerable to 100 and 500 year flood events that aren't hurricane driven. Um, we don't have a very robust land use control system in this country, uh, and that's why we find a lot of our cities in the position they're in. Um, I don't think anything would have done a whole lot to mitigate a Category 4 storm on an island like Puerto, like Puerto Rico, but the, the impact certainly could have been lessened if we'd you know, thought about this beforehand. Hector? I completely agree with, uh, with Billy, um, and I think we also need to work on our social systems before a storm to educate people to evacuate from flood zones. There's a little bit of uh, sky falling effect going on in that uh, uh, weather forecasting being an inexact science. Uh, there have been times where people are told to leave and nothing catastrophic happens so that when that yeah. catastrophic event really does occur, uh, we lament that people that were in exposed zones didn't leave. In this storm, there were people in known exposed uh, zones that didn't leave, and of course, people that weren't in known exposed zones that were that were impacted. That that is much harder to deal with. Uh, uh, but 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 to me, that's not simply the responsibility of the individual to to listen. It's the responsibility of state institutions to have systems in place that people can listen to, and 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 feel compelled to move and to have a plan and a strategy uh, before the storm. Uh, 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 to 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 uh, to address these things, I think that the, the the point that Billy made about Puerto Rico being an island and a storm this big is going to swallow a lot of it. Uh, 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 so it's difficult for, for like 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 in the states where you can kind of move out of the way if you have enough days of anticipation. Uh, now, in fact, what's happening is that's happening on on the back end as many of us are scrambling to remove parents and family members. Uh, from the island uh, so they can spend some time with us here as the island recovers, you know? And uh, so you won't, you're, not, you're not seeing evacuations on the front end of the storm. You're going to see massive evacuations on the back end of, yeah. of the storm, and that's going to also have a, a, an effect on the economy in, 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 that, in that you're, you're removing people, you're removing 
uh, consumers, uh, of course, in a time where, where, where the economy is at a standstill, but there may be demographic effects to this storm that, 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 that we need to take into account uh, on migration effects and what already was an explosive about migration from Puerto Rico. Uh, many of those parents that we've uh, extracted or been lucky enough to try to extract from Puerto Rico probably may not go back, uh, um, you know, at, at some point. So uh, we need to also think about the demographic implications of a storm yeah. like this in the medium and long term for Puerto Rico. I was actually going to raise just the exact same point, that we probably are looking at some level of population loss. The population on the yep. island has already fallen because of the economic conditions. And if you look at, say, New Orleans after Katrina, I don't think they're still back to their pre-Katrina population yep. levels. And so we'll probably be seeing something similar here, too. And the longer recovery takes, the more you might see that happening. 844-942-7866 is the number to join in. Your comments or questions are welcome. We're talking with Carolyn Kuski from the Wharton School, Billy Fleming from the University of Penn School of Design, Hector Cordero Guzman from Baruch College at uh, City University of New York. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. I would think from the design perspective, I, I mean, this is going to also require, and you touched on a little bit, uh, so, some really serious rethink as to what Puerto Rico is going to be in terms of building standards moving forward, because even though this is a once in an 80 or 90 year event, mm -hmm. there's no nothing to say that it couldn't happen again next year or the year after. And you need to be prepared for it, Billy. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of things at play there. One, if we go back to that depopulation point for a second, is that, yeah. you know, that's the same problem that cities like New Orleans had before Katrina and that yeah. Detroit and other like old industrial cities have now. So you're left with a legacy infrastructure of, you know, roads and highways and uh, homes and other things that, you know, were built for a city or an island that's twice the size it is now. Yeah. Uh, it's actually one of the things that Philadelphia is pitching and it's, you know, bid for Amazon, right, is that we have a city that was built for twice the population, but we only have, you know, one and a half million people here. So we've got all this extra stuff for you. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, the thing that gets talked about in those cities often is that you need that's an opportunity or it's there's a desire to try and right size them, right, to take all of that legacy infrastructure and housing and either demolish or downsize or re sort of reconfigure your city's borders to try and create a manageable system. Uh, and in Puerto Rico, uh, they're actually probably going to have an opportunity to do that faster and better than any other U.S. city has uh, because they, they are at such a point of crisis that they're going to have to rebuild the entire telecommunications, yeah. road, you know, airport, all other forms of infrastructure, most of their housing. Uh, and if they are looking at you know a future on an island that has three million instead of three and a half or two and a half million people, um, then you know that's an opportunity for them to think about right-sizing an island for a much smaller population. And, and probably part of this is going to be the same type of discussion that will happen in place like the U.S. Virgin Islands as well, yeah. which obviously took a big hit as well. Yeah, and is getting almost no attention in all of this conversation. Yeah. Not just from us, but from everyone. Yeah, exactly. Great to have you all with us. Uh, Billy, thank you for coming in. Carolyn, great to have you as well. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Hector, great to have you on the phone with us. Thank you for your time today. Pleasure, Dan. Good to hear you, Billy and Carolyn. Me too. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.